long and story. And in totally unrelated news, Matt. Yep. Uh, yeah. Short story long, I think you meant. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> were we talking it's a, a couple of weeks story, ago? It's a good story, though. It is, and you told it so well. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was the uh, lady on the park bench to Forrest Gump. Um <laughs> Thanks to Quiet Malt, a grain of truth in every podcast, including this one. This is Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum. And joining me from our remote studios <laughs> in uh, FNQ, all the way from Townsville, it's Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. G'day, Prof. How are you, mate? Good, mate. How's the, uh, how's the Great Northern? <laughs> As in the region. Sorry, the region, not, not a specific brand. Oh, no. Well, the, 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 mate, the Great Northern is tasting so fresh, it must be from around here somewhere. Trying to find, <laughs> I'm trying to find out exactly where it's from. The beer from up there. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the, the beer from here. So uh, the beer from up here. Um, I haven't been able to find where the from uh, where where it's from, but I'm getting close. I'm getting well, close. Well, listen, Matt, yeah, just, just on that before we get into um, an expurgated version, a fairly quick version, uh, certainly within the, the cook limit this week for our listeners. Uh, but before we do that, um, you are up in Townsville. Give us a, a snapshot of the beer scene. Yeah, well, there is a little uh, Townsville brewery. It's been uh, going for a while. I'll be checking out a little bit later today. Say hello to Scott. That's uh, Scott Eckford, I think, um, is up there, isn't he? I don't know, actually. I know that uh, Mitch, uh, who's now sales with Bintani, um, was with him for a while. So I'll have to uh, touch base with Scott and see what he's up to. But I, I think he might be right, Prof. So I'll shoot him a message once we get off. But I uh, um, haven't had much of a chance. I know that they do have one really good um, tap house up here that seems to have a lot of ta- tap takeovers and goes out of its way to get craft beer up here. Now, is that is that the Townsville Tap House, it's called? The Townsville Tap or- House, yeah. yeah. I was here last year and it was pretty impressive and uh, I'll go hang out there today and um, do some work from there and see what it's like. But, you know, again, it's always one of those things, I think every city has its um, beer geek temples that are the um, pinnacle of uh, craft beer. You know, it's got the best range, um, hopefully good service, hopefully knowledgeable staff. Um, But, you know, that's never the best way to really get a sense of what the craft beer penetration is like in, uh, you know, in in a city or a region or a place, because it is designed for that. You know, it's it's inside the bubble. Um, so I'll actually you know, I'll, I'll go along and check out the the local brewery and see what that's like, and then just go check out one or two other places and see what their selection is, um, and see you know even if um, some of the bigger beers like Stone and Wood um, have have made it on tap up here or not, but. Uh, Last night I did a tasting at the uh, Brothers Leagues Club, um, which I don't, it, it sounds a bit terrible when you say, so "Well, landed on the plane." I wasn't expecting too much of the old old Leagues Club, and uh, you know it, it's a fair way out of town. Um, you get there and it's you know got the pokies and it's sort of got the you know all of the member deals and the member draw. But then when I walked into the to the function space. It was, you, you could have been at any high-end um, restaurant uh, or, you know, function space in, in Brisbane or Melbourne because the staff there were so proud of what they were doing. Um, you know, the, the, the layout of the tables, the attention to detail was spot on. And then when the chef came out and just sort of pulled out this, uh, you know, five-course menu and the food was bloody good. It was really spectacular. So it was a, a, a tasting that I was doing for Lions. So we had um, so we had Hop Thief, we had 
uh, Kosciuszko, we had um, uh, Panhead Supercharger um, APA, um, and then also the Mundi Lager. So they were beers that weren't commonly available up here, um, and it was interesting to see the reaction to it. Yeah, so uh, um, based on that very limited experience there, th- things are coming coming together quite well um, up in the north. Yeah, and it certainly, it, it, I think that story is is echoed in a hundred other regional areas where if you go back five and, and certainly 10 years ago, it may not be much, but it's certainly a lot more than what it was. That leads us into our um, first story, really. 10 years ago, Matt. 10 years ago. What happened 10 years ago? On this day, 10 years ago? Uh, well, 10 years ago, Hop Hog um, was first brewed and uh, we had a great story. Is that an IPA or is it a pale ale? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, 10 years ago, there were, if you want to know how much the market has changed, 10 years ago, there was no debate about it. It was just, gee, what's this then? You know, there wasn't, oh, that's not an IPA. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, but it's amazing to think how quickly uh, times have changed that uh, Hop Hog is 10 years old. I think it's, look, Hop Hog for me, um, and, I, and I don't mean to draw this conclusion because they are both now no longer independent, but Hop Hog for me very much parallels um, Hightail in that those who, who knew it and got it, you know, loved it. And then it sort of, it took a, a bit of a while to, to sort of, to get a bit of a groundswell and it then kind of became, uh, if not your go-to beer for that brewery, it certainly was synonymous with that brewery. So, like, if you, if you had to name one, you know, if you, if you, if you threw 10 brewery names at, at people and said, just name one beer that you associate with that, uh, with that brewery, Hop Hog would certainly be, I, I would think, the one that would, um, would jump out. And it wasn't their, their first beer. It wasn't the flagship beer by any stretch of the imagination, but it's certainly the one, um, at, and you and I know, from those early days uh, at the Ecker, it was one of those beers that we thought, this is going to be a struggle, isn't it, Matt? But all of a sudden, you get people who, oh, yeah, normally drink, you know, pure bond or you know, them, um, them Greg Normans. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mean Great Northern? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> and um, you go, give us that hop hog. Uh, are you sure? Them, of course, you, would, did you want to try it first? No, no, mate. Just, you know, just give it. Just <laughs> let pour, it yeah, I'm going to give you. Eight, back in those days, I'm going to give you seven bucks, and you just pour me a schooner, and I'm going to drink whatever comes out. And um, and then they began. Oh, it's got a bit on it, hasn't it? <laughs> but they'd come back for another. They would, and th- that was the thing. And you know, that's, they were buying it for the name quite often, just because, and and, and the the um, label design. But yeah, it, it was one of those beers that was really quite influential. And uh, I mean, when when I read Ross's article, it was quite interesting to go back because he mentioned um, that soon after Hop Hog, you know, uh, there were a range of beers that Feral retired, and they were beers that I'd completely forgotten about. You know, Feral White was one of the the, the launch beers, and yeah. it's still around, though. It, it used to be the biggest seller. Now it's just sort of a making up numbers. But there was a Brown Ale, there was a, uh, a Pilsner, a mid-strength Pilsner, and there was something, you know, the, the classic beers that were really reminiscent of my memories of the initial brewery boom of the, you know, the boutique brewery boom, as it was called then, of the late 80s, early 90s, and... All of the um, breweries came on with, you know, they had a premium lager, they would have had a brown ale, they would have had a maybe a German wheat beer um, and, you know, a, a, another... Um, pale class. ale. Yeah. Well, not, not even an American pale ale in, in, in those days um, because they, they were still very, very early days. Um, but you had the classic styles that, you know, were traditional um, already then. Um and that's where the, uh, the, the the real influence of 
Little Creatures Pale Ale and then 10 years later, Feral Hop Hog, or eight, eight years later, Feral Hop Hog, um, because hops were that revolution-driving ingredient and the, and, and the use of hops. And, uh, you know, you, you can talk about what were the first of the styles, and I've had a couple of chats um, with, with people who say, oh, you know, Little Creatures wasn't the first, you know, Matilda Bay, oh, sorry, the Masthead Brewery on the Gold Coast that was then folded into Matilda Bay, um, but developed Alpha Pale Ale. And I think Brad Rogers was even there at the time. You know, had he been, was. Uh, playing around with uh, hop-forward American Pale Ales, knowing that that had been very influential in, in, in America and wondering whether there was um, potential for it here. Um, and But there were a couple of breweries playing around with it, but Little Creatures was the one that really went big fast and um, shaped the market. And then... Well, Matt, a bit like... a bit like it, There's a parallel there too because Hop Hog sort of really came to the fore when it won the champion um, ale, I, I think the the category was back then at the Australian International Beer Awards that um, that Little Creatures had done a couple of years before. Mm, yep. And yep. it was one of those ones, oh, hang on, this is the, the, the grand champion beer. What's, you know, and, and all of a sudden people were seeking it out. Yeah, but a lot of the... When that was... They were springing up, a lot of those traditional styles that breweries had founded on, um, you know, slowly uh, went by the way, such is the, 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 the nature of fashion. Um, but it was hops that really ignited um the, the the passions and told beer drinkers this is something different this is something new in a way that you know an english style brown ale never really did as much as it was loved by people who loved beer um those beers never really sparked the fire that we see um that has driven the mainstreaming of, 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 of the, the relative mainstreaming of craft now yeah for sure um so it's been it's the clock ticks around i look at the calendar it's been just about on a year i think or is it is it a year? It was September last year, wasn't it? That um, that the announcement was made that that Feral was selling. Might have been a, even a little bit later. And I've actually uh, touched base with Brendan. So beer is a conversation next week or the week after. We'll uh, hopefully be uh, like a, a bit of a catch up with Brendan to find out how things have gone. Um, but yeah, no, a, a year since the uh, Feral acquisition by uh, CCA um, Coca Cola Amatil. Um And yeah, it, it, I mean, I I don't know too much about what's changed um you know will irving still uh, brewing there um the beers don't seem to be much more easily ob- obtainable than they were um, when it was independent so i'm not sure how uh, cca is going getting it out there but yeah no 12 months has rolled around pretty damn quick yeah it'll be yeah it, it really interesting to sort of catch up with brendan and um uh, get his thoughts on you know where it's at and what's changed for him in the year and uh, what things look like going forward, because I'm sure there's, there's just a lot of interest amongst uh, our listeners and the broader community, particularly, you know, in the trade. Yeah, look, absolutely. But, you know, Brendan's always been one of those guys that we've loved talking to on, on the podcast because... You, you're, ne- what- you're, you're never going to die wondering about what Brendan might be thinking about a particular topic. No, and uh, but, but he's also one of those great stalwarts of the industry who, you know... Um, has been involved in judging and, you know, is just always around supporting and encouraging and helping um, other fledgling breweries and, 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 and getting involved. And so he knows industry. He, uh, you know, is, is, is a great brewer. And, and the hardest thing that we have to do in, our, in, in what we do, Prof, is speaking to people and getting them to just not do the company line because 
if, if they're just going to come on and sprout the company line or you know mutter a few well-worn phrases we can get it out of a brochure or a, i'll just read know, the media release exactly yeah that's yeah. right and and it's the people and speaking of which i've got a, a an interesting beer as a conversation um coming up that i'm just editing because it's a little bit bigger it's not just the one conversation but uh i, I caught up with anton spitalak from uh tribe yep looking at the issue of private equity and just trying to get my head around private equity and what it means for independence because i don't know whether you saw during the week that um after bintani announced that it had a Partial sale um, to uh, Raw. Um, Raw. Raw. Yep. Raw. Raw. Um, Raw. Raw. Somebody um, posted in the comments, does this mean that Ben Spoke is no longer independent? <laughs> you know, well, really? It's, a, it's an international family-owned business anyway, so quite apart from that. But it was never a Bintani business. The Meddings family invested in it. But anyway, and so Phil weighed in. But you, there is a lot of angst and then quite reasonably a discussion about when people are holding themselves as being family owned um, uh, you know can you when you've got a significant private equity investment are you still family owned um, and, and I don't know so um, that's a long way of saying I had a really really great chat and considering that uh, tribe or um, <laughs> Brewpack uh, have been a long time sponsor of the podcast when you actually want to dig a little bit deeper it's it's, it's a really hard position to be to, to put yourself into to actually grill the guy that is sponsoring the program. Um, and, you know, to his credit, Anton is one of those guys that, you know, will just answer your question. He, he you know, um, sometimes you need to sort of follow up because he's got his, uh, you know, his point of view and you need to throw in a couple of uh, questions. But he, he did it. And uh, they're the sort of interviews that I, that I really enjoy doing um, on Radio Brews News because it lets people actually hear, um, you know, the, the the cogs whirring in people's heads as opposed to just trotting out the PR lines. And dare I say it, Matt, um, a very, very good piece of um, old school, old fashioned journalism. Uh, so for those who don't know, Ross Lewis, who has his own uh, the gig SIP? called The Sip, um, but used to write for, I'm going to say, The West Australian. I, I think that's right. He's, 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 an, he's an old school journo, very, very journo, experienced, yeah. proper and, journo. And a, yeah, so a really well-written um, piece on uh, on, the, on the hot hog thing, um, as I'm sure, you know, is your old school journalism that you've lent to uh, your chat with Anton, and which brings us to our second story for this week, um, which is a story that's not really a story that became a story. Is it still a story? <laughs> yes, Confusion well. surrounds the details of a $5 million craft beer investment fund announced last week by contract brewery in planning, Brisbane Brew Partners. Yeah. Uh, and Matt, the, the, the comments have been fairly fairly universal in terms of, you know, well done, Matt, um, good old school journalism. Well, yeah, and, and, and actually that's another example because uh, sh- shortly after they launched, um, Brisbane Brew Partners came on as a gold sponsor and obviously we couldn't do what we did without our generous uh, podcast sponsors and, uh, you know, the, the businesses that sponsor us, our listeners that sponsor us and the, the breweries that sponsor the website. And, uh, you know, you don't go out of your way to poke them with a stick. Um, but at the same time, they're Got to buying, call shenanigans if they're there, though. Yeah, they're they're buying space on the site, not you know, not not our opinions when they when they sponsor. So anyway, uh, yeah, back in June we ran a story about this contract brewery that was talking a big game about um, being all things to all people, and uh, you know we, we we ran a story about it. But and th- and this this came fairly hot on the heels of of Brewdog's announcement that they had chosen Brisbane, so it was fairly relevant because it was kind of like oh hang on, there's going to be something similar to Brewdog. Yeah, but. 
you know, Prof, as you and I know, the, the, the beer game is a tough game. And a lot of people who have been successful in other businesses have thought that, you know, geez, everyone loves beer. Um, I'm good at business. I can make this work. And it's they find fairly quickly. And, you know, six months in, you can often see the uh, haunted look in their eyes as they're sort of trying to work out. Um, Hang on. This wasn't, it wasn't like this in the brochure. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Nobody and, told me there'd be days like these. So the fellow behind Brisbane Brew Partner sent out a media release and talking a big game. And, you know, just with that experience of having heard people talk about their plans, things like that, you just sort of start to ask questions. And uh, there was, I was asking a lot of questions and wasn't getting too much in, in the way of answers. You know, you sort of hearing all of these uh, stories. and To be fair, you were getting answers to questions you hadn't asked rather than questions that you had asked. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So, so there was a bit of that as well. Um and then suddenly, uh, the, the week before last, there was a, another media release came out talking about a $5 million um, investment strategy, uh, five, that was a $5 million investment fund. And there, there seemed to be some words that were used fairly specifically um, in the media release, um, you know, talking about raising money for a $5 million investment fund. And, uh, you know, the, the, the fellow who was uh, promoting it had told me about his 30-year investment banking career and things like that. So you presume that when you see these words, they're used fairly technically, not, you know, as, as the lay observer. So quite naturally, I jumped on the phone and said, oh, look, mate, this sounds amazing, $5 million investment fund that you're going to use to, uh, you know, invest in invest the funds in craft breweries. And the, the more it went on, there wasn't sort of a lot of answer. And, you know, he wasn't raising the fund. He already had the money. Um, he wasn't going to give the breweries money. He was going to sort of pay for their canning and a whole lot of other things. And there's a whole lot of stuff that wasn't quite what was said in the media release. And uh, the more I dug, you know, I got the feeling that he wasn't uh, really um, enjoying the, the the questions I was asking. And I uh, got to the stage that he um, quite abruptly terminated the call, um, which again is always a red rag. Um, you sort of go, hold on, you've you've asked me to write about you and. You now don't want me to ask questions to write about you. What's going on here? But in in, in the end, like you know, there, there's nothing that you can say about it because um, a lot of the things that he'd said that he'd done, um, by and large, um, check out. Um, I, I did a lot of uh, council uh, digging into the council records, and he has developed some childcare centres. He's developed and sold childcare centres. Um, I'd had the impression that he ran childcare centres, but you know. He's successfully developed them. He's apparently getting around visiting breweries in a Lamborghini, um, you know, and uh, has certainly uh, developed, you know, lodged um, development plans. Um, whether or not they come off, we, we don't know. But it was just one of those um, articles that wasn't, it, there was no real point. Um, it was just saying, well, hey, this is what I've tried to find out. This is what I can find out. Um, and, uh, you know, he's talking a big game, but. Um, it can be hard to verify some of this stuff. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, you know, good luck to him. If, oh, look, and we should point out, like, if everything that he plans to do, you know, does come off, yes or no, it, it, it does create a, um, you know, a valuable asset, I guess, to the brewing community. Oh, absolutely. And, and look, you know, I wish him well. And if everything he says comes off, it will be a fantastic, um, you know, facility for the for the Brisbane beer scene um, but at the same time a lot of what he's saying just doesn't seem feasible um, and it's not just to me you know obviously it's one of those things that people don't want to go on the record but you know when you try and cast your eye over the numbers you know five million dollars a year to invest in craft breweries 
Um, and that's when I threw up the figures for um, Gage Roads. And, uh, you know, Gage Roads spent $13.5 million on consumables like grain, um, cans, that sort of thing, to make 12 million litres of beer. Um, so you're thinking, well, you know, if he's investing $5 million in craft breweries, that's a lot of beer you've got to be making. You know, does the size of your brewery check out against that? And I'm finding it very hard because those details just aren't there. But, you know, it, it, he's talking a big game, but just don't seem to see where some of those things can come from. If it does come off, fantastic. Not saying that it can't come off, but just saying, you know, it, it, it's a little bit hard to get details to, to, to verify. And, uh, you know, at, at the same time, uh, on, on LinkedIn or Facebook, one of the things, some a couple of home brewers were sort of chatting back and forth and suddenly the uh, proponent um, of the Brisbane Brew Partners weighed in and offered one of them a free 6,500 cans of his beer to sort of show, show his stuff. Now, if that was a legitimate offer, somebody's won the golden ticket because how many home brewers get the chance to commercially brew 6,500 litres and can it without yeah. stumping any money up front? You know, that's amazing. You know, that is an amazing opportunity if it comes off. But then again, how does that square with business? You know, and, and and they are the questions I was asking. And, you know, it was just kind of, uh, oh, mate, Matt, trust me. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. Here's my, I've got 30 years in investment banking. I've done this. I've done that. Trust me. And, you know, there, there comes a point where you, you need to put up and, uh, you know, not trust. But anyway, that that was the backstory to, to that one. And, uh you know, wish him well. Hopefully it all does get up. He's got council planning plans in that uh, we're waiting to see. And, uh, you know, if it all comes off, um, it'll be fantastic. If it doesn't, hopefully no one gets hurt. Yeah, that's right. We shall follow with interest. In the garden, what a garden. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. Uh, Matt, not a lot of uh, other news. I have penned something for the oh, career mail. <laughs> Breaking well, news. I, I, I did touch on it yesterday. All the presses. In, in one of my uh, you know rambling deviations from from the letter of the week. Um, but I got a media release. Speaking of media releases that you get, Probably and then I nodded off. <laughs> no, go on. Sorry, you're just uh, dropping out there. <laughs> the, the the media releases that you get um, from a PR person that's all gushy and uh, you know full of uh, enthusiasm from the PR person. And then you sort of go, oh, this sounds really cool. Can I ask these questions? And then suddenly, blah, you don't hear anything. Um, you know, uh, it's, so, so Heineken um, this week released a 0.0, um, an alcohol-free beer. Um, and as part of it, they talked about their special filtering process that, you know, they, they brew a beer from scratch they don't just use regular Heineken and strip out the alcohol because that wouldn't taste as good. We brew a beer from scratch and then with our special filtration process, remove the alcohol and uh, and, it's, and it's amazing. It's 
Beautiful, it tastes like beer, and it's only got 69 calories. Now, there's a whole lot about that that I think, you know, on, on one hand, for the average consumer, they're going to go, yeah, fantastic, alcohol-free beer, I wonder how it tastes. Now, as a beer writer, when you read that, you sort of think, gee, that, that's really interesting. How did they make this? You know, because you know you can't just brew a beer. Um, you know, if you put it through a, a, a very fine filter that's fine enough to remove the alcohol, you're going to be taking out a lot of other things which is the flavor in beer. So if you're going to do that, how do you get the flavor back in? Also, alcohol adds flavor. It's a big part of flavor. So if you're taking alcohol out, how, how, you know, what, are you, what are you doing? What brewer's tricks are you doing to make sure that there is still body and satisfaction for the brewer with, with, with that alcohol out? And then finally, Jesus, um, 69 kilocalories, that sounds a lot. I mean, that, that's... That's little compared to, you know, it's about half what a regular beer, you know, just under half what a regular beer is. But when the only source of calories in beer is either alcohol or carbohydrates, why are there still so many calories in there when you remove the beer? So anyway, armed with my little questions um, about their mystical brewing processes, <laughs> um, you know, fired it back to the PR person. Um, and of course, you know, we've got the brand manager and when you ask the brand manager these questions, um, he goes, oh, I don't have that technical knowledge. And you go, you're the brand manager. Surely you know a little bit about the beer and you can answer these questions. Well, first rule of brand management, I don't know the answer, but I know the bloke who knows the answer. Well, but even before that, but, but this is where the problem comes because the brand manager knows this because it is something that they do have to give on. You know, when you're out selling to knowledgeable um, people in the industry they're going to ask some of these questions and you, you need to understand the process or, you know, if you're selling a car, you need to know how a car runs. And if you're talking about the V8 cross-pollinated whatever engine, I'm not a car person, you need to be able to explain You'd never know. when they go what the... Cross-pollinated. <laughs> well, anyway, anyway, don't take me down another rabbit hole. But anyway, so, but of course, you know, the plausible deniability, I'm the marketing guy, I'm not the brewer. So, and then you go, well, could I speak to a brewer? Three days later, five emails later, still can't speak to a brewer, um, you know, to, to find these questions out. And this is a stalling tactic that I've noticed over the years. You know, whenever they don't want to answer a question, they stall and stall and stall and hope you lose interest. Now, unfortunately, that generally just pisses me off because I've wasted <laughs> so much time chasing up in the first place. So anyway, yeah, so the more you dig into it, um, still can't get answers from Australia. But in other markets where the uh, food labelling regulation seems to be a little bit uh, more stringent, um, for example, if you go to the UK site, Heineken lists its ingredients as water, malted barley, hop extracts. Heineken Zero is listed as uh, water, uh, malted barley, hop extracts, and natural flavorings. And you're going, okay, so what's the natural flavoring? But anyway, so long story short, uh, if, if you go looking at Heineken Zero, thinking that you're getting something for nothing, or actually nothing without adding something, no, um, because there's, there seem to be a whole lot of sugars added that may or may not be the natural flavorings because I haven't got an answer. Um, that uh, when you look at the nutritional information, seems to be about a you know equivalent of a teaspoon of sugar, about four to five grams of sugar, um, which may not sound like a lot until you realise that Lion in Australia makes Heineken under licence. And Prof, does Lion have a view about or an advertising campaign about 
how much sugar's in beer? Beautiful truth. <laughs> well, they've changed it to beautiful, the beautiful beer, not um, beer, the beautiful truth anymore, or uh, something along those lines. But they're still sprouting that 99.9% <laughs> sugar-free uh, beers, which you know, are yeah. basically um, hard super dry, um, but they don't talk about adding enzymes. Anyway... Long story. And in totally unrelated news, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Short story long, I think you meant. Um, so <laughs> were we talking it's a, a couple of weeks ago? It's a good story, though. It is, and you told it so well. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was the uh, lady on the park bench to Forrest Gump. Um, <laughs> last week or the week before, didn't one of the large breweries say they were shedding staff because um, craft beer was eating into their markets and the, because the beer sales were so low? Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. Did that same Did that same brewery come out and say never be more profitable? Well, Australia's beer market. No, it wasn't actually that brewery. It was it was the um, the head of the Brewers Association, of which Lion Coopers and CUB are, are members. It's a three person club. Yeah, so it's, it's a three person okay. club. Yeah. On the one hand, Lion saying one, one speaks for all. Yeah, the Brewers Association, which is an industry association designed to promote, well, the brewers as members, much the same way as yeah. the IBA is. Um, yes, they came out and said, you know, beer has never been more profitable. You know, um, craft beer is only, you know, the the ninety five. Oh, sorry, the, what is it? The uh, yeah, eighty five percent of craft breweries only contribute, you know, fifteen percent of craft beer, and the rest of it is us. And you go, well, hold on, guys, you can't. You, if your association saying one thing, maybe you should say something different. Um, but actually, on that one, because I, I shared that on Facebook um, and had a, a, a nice little email um, come back showing me some some statistics um, about craft beer. And whilst, yes, the, the headline figures are what the Brewers Association was saying, craft brewers are a piddling little amount of beer. It's, it's irrelevant. Big beer has never been more profitable or more valuable. And that happened two days after Lion had sacked a whole lot of people citing craft beer. Now, the figures that came in, it's uh, looking at craft segment, say, craft segment share by brewer group, and it's broken into indies, um, acquired, major craft, and private label. Um, so indies between uh, 2015 and 2018, indies have grown their share from... 21.2% to 29.4%. So indies are growing quite strongly um, within the craft beer segment. Um, acquired has grown a little bit, so from 58 to 7%. Um, so they are seeing growth there, but certainly not the same growth as independents are getting of share. Major craft, their share of market has fallen from 668 to 54.6%. Um, and private label has grown slightly as well. So whilst there has been some growth for the acquired craft breweries, indies um, are, are growing significantly, and uh, the big brewers' craft share is uh, sliding. Um, still, you, you're talking about a, a very small percentage of the base, but um, you know maybe the, the, the line story is truer than the uh, Brewers Association uh, line. Hmm. We shall wait and see. There you go, we? Prof. You weren't expecting that little uh, nugget, were you? No, well done. No, <laughs> again, this is just um, Good Brews Week, the good old-fashioned journalism episode. <laughs> Breaking stories. Now, and because you tipped me off about I hadn't even looked at iTunes this week, but we've got a couple of uh, new reviews. Um, we did have Other Side Mike, and we'll read his letter um, in Mailbag. 
But we've got a new post this week. Um, it's by Indie Indies Five. Um, that doesn't tell me much about who it is, but it really stands out. As a female brewer new to the Australian craft beer industry, I'm particularly hungry for information about the sector. These guys share so much information and keep up to date with the beer scene. Chats to amazing contributors like Zoe make it even better. Thanks for the great work. Love the cook limit, um, <laughs> which we're coming up against. So uh, truly crafted in Australia. Now, let me see. We were doing so she... well, too. Okay. so I can't, she. I can't think what happened there. She has reviewed. She's given us five stars, and she's reviewed a couple of other things on Facebook. So... Thank you very, very much for stepping in, Indies 5. Uh, and if you want to shoot us an email at produce at bruisenews.com.au, we'll send you some uh, Bruise News gingerbread logo um, and a bar blade. And you're in the running for beer of the week. Excellent. And now uh, just one more thing while we're, in the, while we're in the mailbag, because you did read out Mike. Um, so Mike Morgan, who we now know is from Other Side Brewing, left a, left a review and you said, I think it's it might be a guy from Other Side Brewing. Yes. And then he replied, uh, it was me that left the review on iTunes. Again, I love getting my weekly news through you guys while I drive around. Some observations. It's lovely how you and Prof finish each other's long and rambling thoughts. Your transparency is admirable when it comes to supporters and content, but don't be so apologetic or feel you need to explain yourself so much when it comes to them. And the cook limit will be added to the dictionary alongside selfie before we know it. Right, there we go. If we've had one contribution to the Australian beer scene, and hopefully it's not just been one, but it's introducing the cook limit, which people seem to uh, to, to love. Yeah, and I should just point out that uh, our cook limit is C-O-O-K, uh, whereas Mike has used the uh, the cook limit, the... Uh, Greg cook limit. Greg and Jim from um, uh, Samuel Adams as well. Yes, although uh, I, I Which do, is the K-O-C-H. I, I do have my own cook limit, Um Speaking of uh, an, another cook who, um, you know. <laughs> Don't mention the wall. <laughs> Don't mention the wall. Stone brewing. Mm. Uh, and on that note, it's been good. We, I think we've, yeah, we're going to sneak in. By the time we uh, thank our sponsors and, and throw in a few ads and, uh, and a bit of intro music, which I have to point out, uh, a couple of people have pointed out, oh, I can't get you on Spotify with all the other these great podcasts. Everyone's using Spotify. Why can't yeah, we be on Spotify? Okay, that's on my to-do list this week. Need to get a uh, rights-free um, shout out. Yeah. Shout out to the um, the uh, Adelaide Ukulele Collective and uh, Jade. Jade, uh, I've been trying to get Jade on the podcast, so I don't think um, just to sort of uh, touch base with all things South Australia, but haven't uh, had any luck. So I don't think the Adelaide the Adelaide Ukulele Collective. But I am. I have uh, our producer Joe has given me the name of somebody, and it's just on my to do list um, cool. to do. So, but so basically, what we need is we need to we need to drop beer barrel polka because we don't have the the rights to that. And if we're just you know doing this as you know some bloke in his underpants dot it doesn't matter so much. But if we want to go into Spotify and and you know put our big boy pants on and go and play in the big boys playground, we've got to have original music. Is that right? Or, yeah, or yeah. license. Or license rights. Music, music to which we yeah. have the license. Yeah. But at the same time, like the, the reason that we use that beer barrel polka theme is it just it sums up. It was a piss up, it, Well, it was, it was a just... bit of a it, what, it, There was that element because every other podcast I listened to had thrash guitar. Um, <laughs> and they, they just I, – I, I couldn't work out why. And, it, yeah, um, and there was just Shit. a subculture to it. <laughs> I know. But, uh, anyway. 
And uh, yep. and it, it's the beer barrel polka. It was lighthearted. It's got that roll out the barrel. It's you know, it just captured everything that we were about quite nicely. And I just need to get a piece of music that um, is rights free that still captures that. So um, so do we need somebody to? So do we need to find something that? Uh, I, I've got a composer uh, like who who does radio music and radio jingles, and I don't want uh, you know, we don't want Mister Sandman. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want sort of an old uh, AM type uh, no. jingle, but we, we do want something that has that same vibe and feel um, of beer barrel polka without being beer barrel polka. So, it, so basically, and, and, some, and it's original music, get, but it's got to have a piano accordion in yeah, it. Yeah, and I don't want it to be. No, well, it doesn't have to be piano accordion, but oh, it and, does. And, and then I don't want to get into the whole "My Sweet Lord, um, She's So Fine" debate. Does it sound too similar? Oh, right, yeah. So anyway, um, that, that's enough about. So so yes, so we, we do want to get on Spotify just to make it for, easier for everyone to find us. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but Prof, you did talk about sponsors, and we will have an ad. But I did want to thank. Yeah, you know, we we still have a hardcore of people who are willing to kick in five or ten dollars, and I, I I I don't have permission to read them out on on air, so I won't name them individually, and uh, we 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 stop putting it in, in in the show notes. But we do really appreciate those people who put five or ten dollars in. That does just let us, you know, give us the resources to upgrade our mics and those sorts of things, which is, you know, like very much appreciated. Um, and it helps us sort of pay uh, Joe um, to to edit. So thank you. And and if you do like what we do, just jump on in the show notes. There is a link, and you can just, um, you know, dedicate five dollars a month, ten dollars a month, um, or even just a one-off donation just to, to show that you appreciate it and just help us to, you know, this content that you're consuming, um, you know, hopefully it has a little bit of value. And also so. leave a review on iTunes and, uh, you know, if you like what we do and you don't want to give us any money, you can help people find us just by leaving a review on iTunes. It just shows iTunes that people are listening, that we've got a good, uh, you know, reputation and it just you know, bumps us up the, uh, the, the, the search um, when people are looking for good beer-related podcasts. And on that rambling thought, uh, thank you very much, listeners, for all. We've just cooked the cook limit. Uh, Thanks very much, listeners. Uh, We will see you all again. And uh, here, you you won't see us, is it? Anyway, you'll hear us next week. We'll do it all again. See you next week. Thanks uh, again, Matt, for this week. Enjoy Townsville and the the Great Northern. Are you on the original or the uh, Super Crisp? Is there a difference? Do they taste different? (laughs) Isn't it just ones that. I was up at uh, Aubrey, uh, at the, where I was, um, at a little uh, Yarrawonga, Mulwala, and um, the, I, we had Iron Jack and Iron Jack Red. So there's a big difference. The, the, that's the thing. Yeah. And look, you know, one of one of the tap decals had red on it. It was the same picture and the same dog. And I love red background. having a chat. You know, look, you're up here and you ask people. You know, do you prefer Iron Jack or do you prefer Great Northern? And they have very very strong preferences. Um, and you know they'll they'll tell you about the, what they perceive differently in flavour, and and you can't laugh at somebody. That's the point of marketing. We all have preferences that aren't as, that are based on you know emotion rather than um, reality. And good luck. To exactly. Them. It's it's a bit like it's a bit like nylon. I'm quite happy to wear it, but I have no idea or no interest in how it works. <laughs> yeah, but then again, the Brewers Association wants to tell us people don't care where it comes from. People don't care who owns it. They just want good beer. <laughs> <sighs> I just want to see the the, uh, the the Iron Jack Mardi Gras float. Yeah, that hasn't come up. It's, Maybe we need to do gonna it. It's still going to happen. It's got to happen. Maybe we need to do it. Maybe we could get uh, some of the guys from... Um... So if any of our listeners out there, um, if you like, if you make bespoke arseless leather chaps... Um, <laughs> or if I'm you a, want to have a Mardi Gras float. I'm a 37 long. What's that? Yeah, we, Mardi Gras, we, yeah. Well, we probably couldn't because it would look like we were piss-taking the Mardi Gras, which we certainly wouldn't be, whereas we would just be 
you know that sort of machismo of the uh, <laughs> of the Great Northern uh, of the Iron Jack. Sorry. Yeah, don't, oh, I see you got them mixed up. I've got them mixed them, up now. Yeah, the marketing doesn't work. All right, <laughs> we, we must away. Love uh, you, work, Prof. Take care. See you guys. See you next week. And we're out. <laughs>